Good evening and welcome to another edition of the Michael Rothstein Show post-game version following Tampa Bay's 38-17 win over the Detroit Lions, sending the Lions to 3-10-1. It's the seventh straight loss for Detroit. This team hasn't won since the start of November, and we're almost in the middle of December at this point. And the key word here is frustration. It's palpable in the locker room. Multiple players have said this after the game, that they are frustrated with how the game went. It was a slow start. They were down 21-0. Jameis Winston threw for over 300 yards in the first half. The defense, whether they were in man or they were in zone, and they were in more zone today than they've been in a while, just couldn't really handle the Buccaneers in the first half. Frustration from the coaches, although don't necessarily expect to hear much from Matt Patricia about that. I thought he gave his maybe most telling quote and best quote in weeks after the game. He was asked about the frustration of not finishing games, although the Lions didn't really start this game well. And he said this, I don't think you ever want to put frustration into words because it never comes out right. And at this point, that's pretty accurate, I think, for the Lions, both on Sunday and in this season. The silver lining for the Lions is simple. They're getting closer to a top five pick. Now, they have no shot at the number one overall pick. Cincinnati, by losing, pretty much ensured that. But... They could get as high as number two if they lose to Denver and they lose to Green Bay. Both scenarios at this point seem likely. And then they need a little bit of help. They need the right combination of Washington, the Giants, and the Dolphins winning and losing games. And if they lose out and they get help, they could be the number two overall pick. And if they're that, Figuring Cincinnati, which has a massive problem at quarterback, will take LSU's Joe Burrow or whoever, whatever quarterback they want with that first pick. The Lions could be in line to take Ohio State star Chase Young. We talked a little bit about him with Doug Marie's on our podcast earlier in this week, and you can check that out. That's the episode that should be right under this one over on iTunes or Google Play or Spotify. But... The chase for Chase is very real right now as far as among the fan base. The players and coaches won't talk about that because they still want to win games. Tanking, not a thing ever with players and coaches, and we've seen that throughout the NFL between Washington and Miami. But for the fan base, at this point, a loss is better than a win. I wrote that on ESPN.com, which you can check out whenever you feel like going over there at this point as it's already live. And right now, it's all about the draft for the Lions, and it should be whatever happens these last two weeks of the year, especially with the amount of injuries that are piling up for Detroit, really shouldn't play too big of a factor as to whether Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn return, which we'll get into a little bit more later. And maybe other than some potential auditions for bigger roles in 2020 or for whether guys should be here in 2020 that's really what these last two games should be about for the Lions they're going to try to win games but it doesn't look all that promising even though Denver had a real tough time today we're going to take some of your questions I asked for them on Twitter right after the game and I thought some of them were pretty interesting so we're going to take some of them right now Robert Colosia which is 
tag name is Agent E Rob on Twitter asks, "What's up with the sign and immediate immediately playing instead of ransoms? I'm assuming running back at or randoms at the skill positions isn't preseason for sorting out depth. It absolutely is, and." I'm not really sure I have a total answer for you when it comes to the running back situation. If you didn't see it, Wes Hills got called up on Saturday, started and got a decent amount of work on Sunday for the Lions. And the stat line from a touchdown perspective looks great. He had two scores, both of them real close yardage situations. But he didn't run all that well. This is not a Bo Scarborough situation where Scarborough came in, ran well, showed power, really looked dominant at times. This was more of a he got touchdowns because he was their short yardage back today. But 10 carries for 21 yards and really other than one big run, he I think at one point had nine carries for five or six yards. So... This isn't a, wow, you found a diamond in the rough like it was with Bo Scarborough. This is more, hey, this guy might have been the best of what you had. Of course, the bigger question there is why the Lions aren't giving more of this work to Ty Johnson, the rookie out of Maryland. If you've listened to this podcast at all, if you've read anything that I've written this year, you know I'm pretty high on Ty Johnson and have been and and continue to be high on him. So I'm not sure why the Lions haven't really used him more often. You'd think his ability as a runner, having some speed to get out to the edges and some pass catching ability, although it's not something he ever really did a ton of at Maryland, hasn't led to more playing time. But maybe with the last two weeks of the year, Detroit will go to Ty Johnson a little bit more, although it's entirely possible both Scarborough is able to come back next week and Scarborough would probably take the lead back role at that point as well. Of course, there's another thing to watch. J.D. McKissick suffered a stinger. Matt Patricia said that they're going to look at it throughout the week, but if McKissick misses any time, that could be another area for Ty Johnson or perhaps another running back off the street to come in and play some significant time. Uh, That question, though, is one I definitely want to ask Matt Patricia. Basically, why not use Ty Johnson over some of these other backs? In the receiver situation with, really, Chris Lacey over Travis Fulham, Chris Lacey was a guy that impressed throughout camp. He was probably that borderline four, five, six wide receiver out of camp. So they put him on the practice squad when Marvin Jones got hurt. They obviously called him up because he was he knew the offense and he was the next best option. And at this point, you're looking for developmental players more than vets because playing signing a 10-year vet at this point in the year when you're, there's no playoffs to play for just doesn't make much sense. So – for a guy like Chris Lacey, and really even for the running backs, it's as much about development as anything else. The realist Jay Johns asks, what can the Lions do to appease the football gods? I honestly don't know at this point. I'm not someone who necessarily believes that there's, I, I believe in a higher power and a higher being, but I don't necessarily believe there's, you know, gods for everything. But I get what you are asking, which is that, you know, what can they do to change their luck at this point? And I don't know the answer. Uh, this season's lost, and I think it's just that old cliche, that old, old adage that if you're a Chicago Cubs fan, you've heard over and over again, really until a few years ago, which is just you have to wait till next year. And at this point, if you're the Lions, you have to wait till next year. And there are so many questions that need to be answered after this season is over. 
between who the head coach will be, who the general manager will be, how healthy the quarterback is, what the roster looks like, what draft pick they have. So many questions need to be answered in late December and early January, and I think that that could set the course for the Lions for the foreseeable future, depending what Martha Ford and Rod Wood and Sheila Ford-Hamp decide to do. Looking at some other questions here, Eric Hippelfan asking, will they bring back the ping pong table? For those that don't remember, the Lions had cornhole and ping pong table in the locker room when Jim Caldwell was around. One of the things that they got rid of when the new regime took over with Matt Patricia was basically cornhole was gone. The ping pong table was gone. Nothing was in the locker room and... I think that that's what that's referring to. That was a big Golden Tate thing, though, the ping pong table. So that might have really ended once Golden Tate left. He was the real big ping pong player here. Ryan Guzman with the handle Ryan Guzman E-P-L-V asks, who does the team hold accountable for the injuries, medical staff, strength and conditioning? I think it's a combination of everything. Listen, every team is beat up by the end of the year. Go look at injury lists around the league and you'll see a bunch of guys hurt. Plus, there are some guys on this team that probably could have stuck around if there was something to play for. And that's not necessarily the decision of the player. That is the team being smart because if you get hurt, say, with a high ankle sprain with three weeks left in the season and it's an injury that's going to take four weeks to recover – you're not going to keep the guy around if you know your season's over at the end of week 17. You're going to put him on injured reserve. That way you can maybe get a look at another player or at least create a roster spot for development's sake. So I think that that's some of it when it comes to the injuries. Uh, I think it's also the end of a rough year. One thing to look at is turf and, and the different types of turf that are played on. The Lion turf in Ford Field is different than the turf at USB Banks, US Bank Stadium. So that plays into it as well. It would not shock me if the Lions really look at their strength and conditioning program in the offseason, if they look at some of their medical program in the offseason. I would expect them to do that anyway, but this has been a pretty big rash of injuries. Now, some of them are freak situations like like going all the way back to the preseason with Jermaine Curse's really really ugly injury to Matthew Stafford having broken bones in his back there's only so there's nothing you can really do about that but a lot of the soft tissue injuries a lot of the high ankle sprains some of the knee injuries some of the shoulder injuries those are things that theoretically you can try to prevent but the Lions just I think have had more than anything bad luck with that I don't necessarily equate that to a strength and conditioning or medical staff problem at this point. But it wouldn't shock me if the Lions look at those things and maybe look at the program Harold Nash has put, been putting together a little bit in the offseason. NB, which with the handle MBEST2FL, asks, why does Patricia deserve to have a job after week 17? That's a very fair question at this point. And with each passing week, even though I said a little bit earlier that right now the games don't matter as much and losing for the Lions is just as good as winning, it's still an open question because the Lions got to this point because of Matt Patricia's coaching and how the team played to begin with. And I don't believe the team has quit on Matt Patricia. I think if that had really happened 
what you saw on the field on Sunday against Tampa Bay would have been a lot worse. It could have been 42-7, and, and guys just completely, I don't want to say giving up, but, you know, making more business decisions versus really fighting. And a lot of that spark came from Danny Amendola throwing the ball into the crowd after a first down, something he said to me after the game was spontaneous and also something that he wanted to try to get a little bit of juice going probably for the fans and certainly for his teammates because that happened right in front of the Lions bench so you look at all that and you say okay so they haven't quit on him that's a good sign if you take the San Francisco example which I'm not the biggest fan of even though I've mentioned it a few times in stories where you gave John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan three years and you look at what is happening with the Niners now. But the difference is, is what the stability or instability looked like in the Niners organization beforehand. They had a bunch of quarterback issues and before they brought in Jimmy Garoppolo and then Garoppolo got hurt, which is analogous to Stafford. But prior to Lynch and Shanahan getting there, they had gone through three head coaches in three years. They had some major quarterback injury issues. So it was a mess. So you had to give those guys time to really tear it down and build it back up. And listen, we still don't know what the lions real pitch was from Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn. When this started, maybe they told them, listen, this is going to be a multi-year rebuild, but they didn't come out and say that when they hired Matt Patricia, they really, if anything, Bob Quinn doubled down by basically saying, listen, nine and seven, and the quote has been distorted so often, but it because it wasn't nine and seven isn't good enough. It was that they weren't beating their good teams on their schedule, even though they were nine and seven. And Bob Quinn felt that they needed a different coach to get over the hump. And really all that's happened is the lines have cratered since. So that hasn't really worked it's a tough case to make, honestly, of why you bring them back. If anything, it's more you don't want organizational instability. But you also have to make the decision of do you believe that this staff and this front office can turn things around? I think that there are some signs that it's possible, but history would say probably not. And if you're the Fords, you have to make that decision. And that's a really difficult thing to have to decide, especially since Bob Quinn was really Martha Ford's first major hire as team owner. And Matt Patricia was their first coach that they really hired because obviously they had Jim Caldwell already. And you can argue that keeping Jim Caldwell was really the first major hire, but this was the first real regime that Martha Ford had under her stewardship. And it has not gone well at all. So you have to wonder at this point, how patient she's going to be with that. And, I don't know what the answer is. I mean, if you go based off of the play on the field and the losses and the sometimes competitive, sometimes not, you know, one, one Lions player put it to me that they're playing good halves, but not good games. Now, can Matt Patricia and his crew get it to where they are playing good games instead of good halves? If you believe that, maybe you let them come back for a third year. Maybe that's an argument, but Anything that you've seen on the field as far as progress or lack thereof, it all points to not being able to be done by this coaching staff. Yes, injuries played a role, but remember, this team was 
around 500, a little bit worse when Matthew Stafford got hurt. So if you're going to pin a lot of things on Matthew Stafford's injury, and listen, the Lions have not won a game since Stafford got injured against Oakland, you have to really look at the whole picture. And this was a team that was competitive but still not winning games before Matthew Stafford got hurt. And the question that you have to ask is, was them being close but not there good enough for you to believe that maybe next year they can get to the step of being over that hump and getting there? Or do you say, well, that close but not there was a concern as well, and you go in a different direction? These are some of the questions that Martha Ford, Sheila Ford, Rod Wood are going to have to talk about and answer over the next few weeks as this season comes to a close in less than 21 days. And really that I think is where things stand right now. As always, I'd like to thank my presenting sponsor for this podcast, Regents Field. They're at 204 South Main Street in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Come on down to Regents Field. Check out some of their food, including some gluten-free options. You can play skee-ball for free. You can play darts. You can watch a whole bunch of games there. They have some Sunday ticket action for you over the last couple weeks of the year. Check them out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Regents Field. And you can host a podcast there just like I do. I record my podcast there on Tuesday nights if you ever want to come down. Thanks, as always, to my producers, Stephen Arkinall, Matt Leach, and David Woodley, my designer, Samantha Holt. Again, the Lions drop another one, seventh straight, this time to Tampa Bay, 38-17. We'll be back with another podcast later this week. <laughs>